Hi, I'm Alyssa Milano, and this is Sorry Not Sorry, where we tackle social, political, and cultural issues from the perspective of unapologetic guests while highlighting citizen activists doing amazing things throughout the country. Children have the most innate ability to be compassionate and empathetic. They just do it. It's like part of who they are. We have increasingly seen the power of youth activists who are getting younger and younger and their ability to affect change. And that's part of the reason why I decided to write my new children's book, Hope Project Middle School. Hope is an 11-year-old girl and wants to be an astrophysicist. She believes it's always a good day to champion a cause, defend an underdog, and save the future. And most importantly, she believes in dreaming big. On this episode, you'll hear some of the most inspiring young activists of our time and excerpts from the book read by my co-author, Debbie Rigaud. I hope you'll share with those who motivate you. Ryan White was diagnosed with AIDS following a blood transfusion in December 1984. When he tried to return to school, he stood up to the discrimination coming from his community. I loved him very, very much. Take a listen. In my case, it was fear and just because, you know, I I supposedly had something in my body that nobody else had or very few people had. And I think I just, it's because you're different. I mean, um... I mean, I'm I'm surprised we really have dogs nowadays because they're different. It's amazing how, you know, you can accept a dog into your house, but you can't accept someone because of their race, you know, their color or their religion or what they have in them. We're still discovering the power of our own voices. We have to be brave enough to let this power shine through and supportive enough to help others shine. I pause and flash a quick grin at Camilla and Grace, and they give me a matching thumbs up. If we think about important child activists throughout history, we have to include the Little Rock Nine. They were a group of nine black students who enrolled at a formerly all-white high school in Little Rock, Arkansas, in 1957. This is Central High School, Little Rock, Arkansas. Troops, which for nearly three weeks lined the sidewalk here in front of the high school under orders to keep the colored students out, have been replaced now from their orders to comply with the law, which means let the Negro students in if they come in. We were Terrence Roberts, Jefferson Thomas, Thelma Mothershed, Elizabeth Eckford, Ernest Green, Carlotta Walls, Melba Patillo, Minnie Jean Brown, and Gloria Ray. They became known as the Little Rock Nine. The 1954 Supreme Court ruling on Brown versus the Board of Education found segregation of schools unconstitutional. But as the Little Rock Nine approached the high school, segregationists swarmed the campus. I got no business out here. (laughs) This is our school, not theirs. They are their own. As the violence escalated, one schoolgirl, Elizabeth Eckford, was threatened by an angry mob chanting, lynch her, lynch her. President Dwight Eisenhower intervened in Little Rock and set a precedent for our nation as a whole. 
such an extreme situation has been created in Little Rock. This challenge must be met, and with such measures as will preserve to the people as a whole their lawfully protected rights in a climate permitting their free and fair exercise. In the present case, the troops are there pursuant to law solely for the purpose of preventing interference with the orders of the court. On September 25, 1957, the 101st Airborne Division and 10,000 National Guard troops escorted the Little Rock Nine as they walked bravely past screaming mobs and made their way to the classrooms of Little Rock Central High School. Just got a report here on this end that the students are in. Do you feel it's worth it going through this? Yes, I do. These nine heroes were willing to step forward and in doing so, altered the course of history. When I first heard Greta Thunberg speak, I got the chills. Her passion, emotion, power, and strength is beyond inspiring. She is changing the world. My message is that we'll be watching you. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? For more than 30 years, the science has been crystal clear. How dare you continue to look away and come here saying that you're doing enough when the politics and solutions needed are still nowhere in sight. You say you hear us and that you understand the urgency. But no matter how sad and angry I am, I do not want to believe that. Because if you really understood the situation and still kept on failing to act, then you would be evil, and that I refuse to believe. The popular idea of cutting our emissions in half in 10 years only gives us a 50% chance of staying below 1.5 degrees and the risk of setting off irreversible chain reactions beyond human control. 50% may be acceptable to you, but those numbers do not include tipping points, most feedback loops, additional warming hidden by toxic air pollution or the aspects of equity and climate justice. They also rely on my generation sucking hundreds of billions of tons of your CO2 out of the air with technologies that barely exist. So a 50% risk is simply not acceptable to us we who have to live with the consequences. 
to have a 67% chance of staying below a 1.5 degrees of global temperature rise, the best odds given by the IPCC, the world had 420 gigatons of CO2 left to emit back on January 1st, 2018. Today that figure is already down to less than 350 gigatons. How dare you pretend that this can be sold with just business as usual and some technical solutions? With today's emissions levels, that remaining CO2 budget will be entirely gone within less than eight and a half years. There will not be any solutions or plans presented in line with these figures here today because these numbers are too uncomfortable and you are still not mature enough to tell it like it is. You are failing us. But the young people are starting to understand your betrayal. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. And if you choose to fail us, I say we will never forgive you. We will not let you get away with this. Right here, right now, is where we draw the line. The world is waking up. And change is coming, whether you like it or not. Thank you. I love starting my day by reading something from The New Yorker. It holds people in power accountable through compelling storytelling and rigorous reporting. From politics and international affairs to arts, fiction, and their amazing cartoons, The New Yorker covers such a diverse range of topics. I love to sit down and read pieces from their talented writers like Evan Osnos, a Pulitzer Prize finalist, and Doreen St. Felix, who covers the highs and lows of today's culture. There's always so much to think about after reading their pieces. So I am very excited to tell you that The New Yorker is giving my listeners a special offer. You can get 12 weeks for just $6 plus the exclusive New Yorker tote bag. This gives you unlimited access to newyorker.com with 10 to 15 exclusive site-only stories every day and home delivery of the print edition each week. All you have to do is go to newyorker.com slash sorry to save 50%. Again, that's newyorker.com slash sorry. Most of us experience stress, anxiety, have trouble sleeping, maybe even suffer from chronic pain. I really battle with anxiety, but CBD has changed my life. Truly, it's amazing. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about Feels. It's premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. Feels naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. It's very easy to take. You just place a few drops of feels under your tongue and you'll feel the difference within minutes. And if you're new to CBD and have questions, Feels even offers a free CBD hotline and text message support to support you through your experience. How cool is that? 
And I love that it's a membership model, so you can just get it delivered to your door every month, and you could pause or cancel any time. Feels has me feeling my very best every day, and I promise you it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash sorry, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash sorry to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash sorry. Mari Kopany, also known as Little Miss Flint, is a young activist who helped raise awareness about Flint's water crisis and helped fundraise to support children in her community and throughout the country. At just eight years old, she wrote a letter to President Obama asking him to come and see what was going on in her city. Hello, my name is Mari Kopany and I'm eight years old. I live in Flint, Michigan, and I am more commonly known around town as Little Miss Flint. I am one of the children that is affected by this water, and I have been doing my best to march and protest and speak up for all the kids that that live here in Flint. This Thursday, I will be riding a bus to Washington, D.C. to watch the congressional hearings. Our Governor Rick Snyder, I know this is probably an odd request, but... I would love for a chance to meet you or your wife. My mom said chances are you you will be too too busy with more important things. But there's a lot of people coming on these buses, and I even just our country. I look forward to being able to come to Washington D.C. and to and to be able to see Governor Snyder in person, and to be able to be in a city where you live. Thank you, my company. I started becoming an activist when I was four to like five. I started helping out with my grandmother, passing out food to people who couldn't afford food. So we just gave them food for free, and that's when the water crisis started. The government was switching the water source because they were taking the water from Detroit, so the water was eating away the pipes, so that's what caused lead and chlorine to get into the water. In my family, we were getting bad rashes and, like, headaches, eye burning, and it smelled. So I wanted to speak up and say, say, hey, the water's bad. Could someone please fix it? But they never did fix it. So I said, well, gotta listen to me because I'm a kid. If I was a superhero, my superpower would be to change the world. And I would just snap my fingers and then food would appear. Everything would be in my hands right now. We immediately dive into the work. And again, I wish I was programming instead of rigging. But wishing for something isn't going to change anything. I've got to make it happen. Shutez Ka Tanati is an indigenous climate activist and gave this amazing speech back in 2015 at the opening segment of the high-level event of the United Nations General Assembly on Climate Change. Take a listen. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. My name is Shutes Katonatiu. I'm very, very honored to be here today. I think it's amazing to look around the world and see almost 200 countries represented here today. 
because it's really going to take united action from all of us in order to make a difference. I'm 15 years old, and I'm the youth director of an organization called Earth Guardians, and I'm working with young people around the planet to protect our earth, our air, our water, and our atmosphere for my generation and those to follow. I stand before you today representing my entire generation, as well as generations unborn. I stand before you representing the indigenous peoples of this earth and those that will inherit the effects of our climate crisis that we face today as a global community. My father raised me in the Mexica tradition. I learned from my father that all life is sacred. He showed me that every living thing is connected because we all draw life from the same earth and we all drink from the same waters. I was raised in the ceremonies of my people, learning the dances, the songs, and the language that was passed on to me by my, my people, by my ancestors. And what I learned from my cultural heritage is that this life is a gift. And it is our responsibility to respect and protect that which gives us life. So I began to, to look at the world around me and begin to learn about the issues that we are facing. And I saw that we were facing a crisis that was beginning to affect every living system on our planet. I saw that climate change was going to be the defining issue of our time. Seeing this world, seeing my world collapsing around me pushed me into action. So for the last nine years, since I was six years old, I've been on the front lines of climate and environmental movements, standing up to fight for my future and for our planet. What a lot of people fail to see or simply ignore is that climate change isn't an issue that is far off in the future. It isn't solely affecting the ice caps and the poles or the sea level rise in our oceans. It's affecting us right here, right now, and will only continue to get worse. In a three-month period, my family and I, we witnessed the greatest wildfires and the worst floods we've ever seen in Colorado history. Frequency and severity of massive storms and massive floods, massive superstorms are increasing all over the planet because of our lack of action, and because of the increase in carbon dioxide emissions, because of the way that we are living. And because of this, young people are standing up all over the planet because we see that climate change is a human rights issue. It is affecting especially developing countries, women, children, and people of color more than anything else. We have to realize that what is at stake is no longer just the planet, is no longer just the environment, but what's at stake right now is the existence of my generation. What is at stake right now, what we are fighting to protect, what is in your hands, what is in our hands today, is the survival of this generation and the continuation of the human race. That is what is at stake. So youth are standing up all over the planet to find solutions to the issues that will be left to my generation. Earth Guardian crews are starting up all over the planet and youth are using their passions to address some of the greatest issues of our time by planting seeds of solutions that can change the world. Over 400,000 people marched through the streets of New York City in the greatest climate march in the history of the world. More than 220 institutions have divested from fossil fuels with the help of student-led movements. And that number continues to grow. Youth like myself across the United States are suing our state and federal governments, demanding them to take action on climate change immediately. We are flooding the streets and we are now flooding the courts to show the world that there is a movement on the rise and that our generation 
is at the front of that movement, fighting for the solutions that we need, and we need you to help us. We are approaching 21 years of United Nations climate talks, and in the last 20 years of negotiations, almost no agreements have been made on a bonding climate recovery plan. Our window of opportunity to take action is shrinking as the problem exponentially increases. We need you to take action at COP21 before it's too late. Because as I said, what's at stake right now is the future of your children, our children, my children, our grandchildren. When we look into our eyes, we see the next generation. And we see that that is the planet that we are leaving to them. We look at the world and we see the planet that we will leave to our generation. So don't be afraid to dream big. Because not only is it possible to get off of fossil fuels, but it is already happening. Cities and countries around the planet are committing to go 100% renewable in the first half of the century. The Pope himself called for a shift from fossil fuels to renewable energy. The solutions are here. And with them are coming millions of jobs and economic opportunities. Imagine if we took all the money that we are pouring into the fossil fuel industry and into the nuclear industry and put that into renewables. Imagine what we could accomplish. Phasing out fossil fuels is a dream that is slowly becoming a reality. And the question is, will it happen fast enough to avoid further climate catastrophe? It's time to look to the skies for the solutions that we need. Because the future of energy is no longer down a hole. We need to reconnect with the earth and end this mindset that we have that we can take whatever we want without ever giving back or understanding the harm that we are doing to the planet. It's this mindset of destruction, of greed, that is tearing apart our planet. We need to change the fundamental beliefs of our entire society. We have to remember that we are all indigenous to this earth and that we are all connected. Every generation leaves a mark on this planet. We leave something behind to be remembered by, and we are at a tipping point right now where we will either be remembered as a generation that destroyed the planet, as a generation that put profits before future, or as a generation that united to address the greatest issue of our time by changing our relationship with the earth. We are being called upon to use our courage, our innovation, our creativity, and our passion to bring forth a new world. So in the light of this collapsing world that we see, what better time to be born than now? What better time to be alive than now? Because this generation, the people in this room right here, we get to change the course of history. Humans have created the greatest crisis that we see on the planet. And the greater the challenge, the higher we will rise to overcome it. We need you to stand with us. Never before has there been such a unifying issue as climate change. And it is time now to set aside everything that divides us. Everything that separates us. Everything that makes us want to point a finger at someone else and throw the problem to them. Who will stand with me now for mine and future generations to inherit a healthy, just, and sustainable planet? Who will stand with me now?
the hope of this planet, of this generation, is in our hands. I don't want you to stand up for us. I want you to stand up with us. Because together we can change the world. And it's not going to be easy. But it is our responsibility. We owe it to future generations to be the leaders of today so that they can have a tomorrow. Everyone claps and cheers, and I'm so proud I feel like Galaxy Girl saving her planet from evil forces. But it's even better, because this isn't science fiction. This time, it's real life. I've started incorporating Four Sigmatic drinks into my daily routine, and I have definitely felt a difference. Four Sigmatic is a natural superfood company that specializes in mushroom-based drinks that benefit our immunity, energy, and longevity and help us live healthier lives. They make a wide variety of blends, including mushroom coffee, mushroom elixirs, matcha, superfood blends, and more. Why mushrooms? Well... Four Sigmatic's Mushroom Coffee with Lion's Mane promotes productivity, focus, and creativity. And the best part is that it's coffee without the jitters. Lion's Mane mushrooms have long been used by the Buddhist monks to help with focus during meditation. And to clarify, it tastes just like coffee, not mushrooms. I love their mushroom cacao mix. It tastes just like hot chocolate and doesn't have all the sugar which would normally be included. They are offering my listeners 15% off. All you have to do is go to foursigmatic.com slash sorry. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash sorry for 15% off. As you get older, you definitely appreciate learning new things even more. And that's why I love Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of amazing classes covering creative and entrepreneurial skills. You can take classes in everything from photography and creative writing to design, productivity, and so much more. So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering Alyssa Milano Sorry Not Sorry listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash sorry. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash sorry to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com dot com slash sorry. Malala was shot in the head in 2012 by Taliban gunmen because she was speaking up for the right of girls to be educated. She was 15 years old. In 2013, she delivered this speech at the United Nations. Malala Day is not my day. Today is the day of every woman, every boy, and every girl who have raised their voice for their rights. There are hundreds of human rights activists and social workers who are not only speaking for their rights, but who are struggling 
to achieve their goal of peace, education, and equality. Thousands of people have been killed by the terrorists, and millions have been injured. I'm just one of them. So here I stand. So here I stand, one girl among many. I speak not for myself, but for those without voice can be heard. Those who have fought for their rights, their right to live in peace, their right to be treated with, with, with dignity, their right to equality of opportunity, their right to be educated. Dear friends, on the 9th of October, 2012, the Taliban shot me on the left side of my forehead. They shot my friends too. They thought that the bullet would silence us but they failed. And out of that silence came thousands of voices. The terrorists thought that they would change my aims and stop my ambitions, but nothing changed in my life except this. Weakness, fear, and hopelessness died. Strength, power, and courage was born. are the same, my hopes are the same, and my dreams are the same. Dear sisters and brothers, I'm not against anyone, neither am I here to speak in terms of personal revenge against the Taliban or any other terrorist group. I'm here to speak up for the right of education of every child. for the sons and daughters of the Taliban and all the terrorists and extremists. I do not even hate the Talib who shot me. Even if there is a gun in my hand and he stands in front of me, I would not shoot him. This is the compassion that I have learned from Muhammad, the prophet of mercy, and Jesus Christ and Lord Buddha. This is the legacy of change that I have inherited from Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, and Muhammad Ali Jinnah. This is, this is the philosophy of non-violence that I have learned from Gandhiji, Bacha Khan, and Mother Teresa. And this is the forgiveness that I have learned from my father and from my mother. And
This is what my soul is telling me. Be peaceful and love everyone. Dear sisters and brothers, we realize the importance of light when we see darkness. We realize the importance of our voice when we are silenced. In the same way, when we were in Swat, the north of Pakistan, we realized the importance of pens and books when we saw the guns. The wise saying, the pen is mightier than sword, was true. The extremists were and they are afraid of books and pens. The power of education, the power of education frightens them. They are afraid of women. The power of the voice of women frightens them. And that is why they killed 14 innocent students in the recent attack in Quetta. And that is why they killed female teachers and polio workers in Khaybar Pakhtunkhwa. That is why they're blasting schools every day because they were and they are afraid of change, afraid of equality that we will bring into our society. And I remember that there was a boy in our school who was asked by a journalist, why are the Taliban against education? He answered very simply by pointing to his book. He said, a Talib doesn't know what is written inside this book. They think that God is a tiny little conservative being who'd send girls to the hell just because of going to school. The terrorists are misusing the name of Islam and Pashtun society for their own personal benefits. Pakistan is a peace-loving democratic country. Pashtuns want education for their daughters and sons. And Islam is a religion of peace, humanity, and brotherhood. Islam says it's not only each child's right to get education, rather it's their duty and responsibility. Honorable Secretary General, peace is necessary for education. In many parts of the world, especially Pakistan and Afghanistan, terrorism, wars, and conflicts stop children to go to their schools. We are really tired of these wars. Women and children are suffering in many ways in many parts of the world. In India, innocent and poor children are victims of child labor. Many schools have been destroyed in Nigeria. People in Afghanistan have been affected by the hurdles of extremism for decades. Young girls have to do domestic child labor and are forced to get married at early age. Poverty, ignorance, injustice, racism, 
and the deprivation of basics, basic rights are the main problem faced by both men and women. Dear fellows, today I'm focusing on women's rights and girls' education because they're suffering the most. There was a time when women social activists asked men to stand up for their rights, but this time we will do it by ourselves. I'm not telling men to step away from speaking for women's rights. Rather, I'm focusing on women to be independent, to fight for themselves. So dear sisters and brothers, now it's time to speak up. So today, we call upon the world leaders to change their strategic policies in favor of peace and prosperity. We call upon the world leaders that all the peace deals must protect women's and children's rights. A deal that goes against the rights of women is unacceptable. We call upon all governments to ensure free compulsory education all over the world for every child. We call upon all the governments to fight against terrorism and violence, to protect children from brutality and harm. We call upon the developed nations to support the expansion of educational opportunities for girls in the developing world. We call upon all the communities to be tolerant, to reject prejudice based on caste, creed, sect, color, religion, or gender, to ensure freedom and equality for women so that they can flourish. We cannot all succeed when half of us are held back. We call upon our sisters around the world to be brave, to embrace the strength within themselves and realize their full potential. Dear brothers and sisters, we want schools and education for every child's bright future. We will continue our journey to our destination of peace and education. No one can stop us. We will speak up for our rights and we will bring change through our voice. We believe in the power and the strength of our words. Our words can change the whole world because we are all together, united for the cause of education. And if we want to achieve our goal, then let us empower ourselves 
with the weapon of knowledge. And let us shield ourselves with unity and togetherness. Dear brothers and sisters, we must not forget that millions of people are suffering from poverty, injustice, and ignorance. We must not forget that millions of children are out of their schools. We must not forget that our sisters and brothers are waiting for a bright, peaceful future. So let us wage. So let us wage a global struggle against illiteracy, poverty, and terrorism. Let us pick up. Let us pick up our books and our pens. They are our most powerful weapons. One child, one teacher, one book, and one pen can change the world. Education is the only solution. Education first. Thank you. I learned how to stand up for myself and my ideas while being a team player. But somehow, I'm feeling like this is just the beginning for me. Just like I said in my speech at the science competition, I want to use my voice to help others. Would you buy a t-shirt for $50 if you knew it only cost $7 to make? Don't think so. With Everlane, you never overpay for quality clothes. Everlane only makes premium essentials without the traditional markups. They want you to know what you're paying for and why, so they are transparent about their real costs and every step of their process. They share everything from the materials they use to the ethical factories they work with. I love that. In 2018, they made a commitment to eliminate all virgin plastic from their supply chain by 2021. Because Everlane sells directly to you, the consumer, their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers. They have 100% grade A cashmere, outerwear made from recycled water bottles, Italian-made leather shoes, and much more. Right now, you could check out our personalized collection at everlane.com slash sorry. Plus, you'll get free shipping on your first order. That's everlane.com slash sorry. Everlane.com slash sorry. At the 2018 March for Her Lives, then 11-year-old Naomi Wadler gave an unforgettable speech about gun violence and the importance of remembering black women and girls who are victims. My name is Naomi and I'm 11 years old. Me and my friend Carter led a walk out at our elementary school on the 14th. We walked out, we walked out for 18 minutes, adding a minute to honor Cortland Arrington, an African-American girl who was the victim of gun violence in her school in Alabama after the Parkland shooting. I am here today to represent Cortland Arrington. I am here today to represent Hadia Pendleton. I I am here today to represent Tiana Thompson, who at just 16 was shot dead in her home here in Washington, D.C. I am here today to acknowledge and represent the African-American girls whose stories don't make the front page of every national newspaper.
whose stories don't lead on the evening news. I represent the African-American women who are victims of gun violence, who are simply statistics instead of vibrant, beautiful girls at full of potential. It is my privilege to be here today. I am indeed full of privilege. My voice has been heard. I am here to acknowledge their stories, to say they matter, to say their names, because I can, and I was asked to be. For far too long, these names, these black girls and women, have been just numbers. I'm here to say, never again for those girls, too. I am here to say that everyone should value those girls, too. People have said that I am too young to have these thoughts on my own. People have said that I am a tool of some nameless adult. It's not true. My friends and I might still be 11, and we might still be in elementary school, but we know. We know life isn't equal for everyone, and we know what is right and wrong. We also know that we stand in the shadow of the Capitol, and we know that we have seven short years until we, too, have the right to vote. So I am here today to honor the words of Toni Morrison. If, if, there is a, if there is a book that you want to read but it hasn't been written yet, you must be the one to write it. everyone here and everyone who hears my voice to join me in telling the stories that aren't told. To honor the girls, the women of color who were murdered at disproportionate rates in this nation. I urge each of you to help me write the narrative for this world and understand so that these girls and women are never forgotten. Thank you. There are lots of different superpowers, continues Dad. Science is one of yours. And your voice is another. But did you know there are more ways to use your voice than just speaking? Emma Gonzalez, Jacqueline Corin, Sarah Chadwick, and Nazari Kepra are survivors of the 2018 school shooting in Parkland, which killed 17 members of their community. They've taken to fighting for change to end gun violence and hold lawmakers accountable to keep our communities safe. We all have the right to live safely in America, to live in a world where we don't run the risk of getting shot. My name is Emma Gonzalez. I'm Nzari Capra. Sarah Chadwick. Jacqueline Corin. I'm 18 years old. I'm 21 years old. 16 years old. 17 years old. I'm from Parkland, Florida. I'm originally from Illinois, and I stand for a nation without gun violence. Why do we march? I march because there are many people who no longer can. I'm marching so that generations after us don't have to. I march because this is the best way to get our voices heard. 
Who do we march for? For the 17 souls that were lost on February 14th, 2018. For Carmen Shentrup, Helena Ramsey, Jamie Guttenberg, and for the rest of Parkland, Florida. I march for Hadia Pendleton. My close friend was shot and killed just five minutes away from our school. Newtown, Las Vegas, Orlando, and every person that lives their life in fear due to gun violence every single day. Why won't we stay silent? Because the violence that was ravaging our community needed to stop. What do we want to change? We want to change the gun laws in America. Why can't politicians make this change? Politicians can't make this change because they don't want to. Because they're taking too much money from the NRA. Politicians can't make this change because they're not a part of the communities that are most affected by gun violence. Why does this keep happening? Because nothing has ever been done to prevent it. More guns is not going to create less gun violence. Arming teachers isn't going to solve the gun problem. Look at the countries who've never had to deal with this. They've done something right, and we've done something wrong, and we're too embarrassed to admit that we've done something wrong. If you all truly want to stop gun violence, you will look at all of the different elements of it, from failing school systems to institutionalized racism, and not try to find an exception, but try to find a solution. Why are we doing this? Because it's about damn time someone did. You know what you need? More girls to lend their voices. More boots on the ground. There's power in numbers, you know. A thought comes to mind that suddenly brightens up my outlook. Thanks, Mom. Anytime. When Marley Dias was in sixth grade, she began the 1,000 Black Girls Books Project to collect and donate 1,000 titles that featured Black girls as the central character. And now she's even written her own. Here, she explains her mission. I really love to read, and I always wanted to um, see myself reflected, and my parents did a great job, you know, making sure that little black girls and little brown girls were able to be in my library. But when I went to school, I only read about white boys and their dogs. And I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, I read that story in school. And as much as I really respected my teacher, and I thought that it was a good idea to continue to have us read and be in discussions, we were only learning about one person's experience and one type of experience. And I thought it was a real problem because I had the opportunity to see myself being reflected, Mm -hmm. but all these other girls, especially black girls in my class, did not see themselves as important and did not see their identity to be strong and deeply rooted inside of them. So I wanted to make sure that I would be able to tackle that and help Mm -hmm. other girls and see themselves. So I've collected in total... 11,000 books that a black girl is the main character is and donated them to school. Give them some advice on how to do this. I think the first thing, and there's two really important parts, is educating yourself and figuring out what your passion is. So a lot of people, they don't really know, like, when you're young, and I was lucky enough to know what I really cared about, which was reading and writing and literacy, but a lot of the times kids don't know what they like and they don't know what they want to do, and sometimes they're pressured uh, to do things that they they don't enjoy, Mm -hmm. and they feel like they're supposed to say yes, but they don't really enjoy those things. So finding your passions and also being honest with your teachers and your parents that, I don't really like to do this anymore, I don't really, this is not something I really enjoy, Mm -hmm. uh, because you'll get into the practice of speaking out just on a basic level and also educating yourself on the issues in your community. I glance over at my Galaxy Girl comics and imagine how many people I could help with her superpowers. Over the last few weeks, I've realized that the things we care about are worth fighting for. At its heart, 
Activism is the physical manifestation of optimism, of believing that the world can change for the better. If we didn't think that, if we didn't believe change was possible, we would not be fighting so hard. But we do. And that belief, that faith in a better future, it demands action. What kind of people would we be if we saw a problem, knew that it could be fixed, and refused to do anything? You see, this is what drives us. But it gets harder as we get older. I see a lot of calloused adults on Twitter, on television, in government, speaking down to the prominent young activists of our day. They're treated like precious, naive little dolls. We think of their vision for the future as something we should smile and nod our heads at the fantastical innocence of it right before we ignore it and do nothing. But this innocence, this pure, beautiful optimism, it's something unique to children. In fact, what we call innocence, at least as it relates to activism, is really just the belief that accomplishing difficult things is not impossible. So many of us lose that as adults. We twist it around, calling those same things unattainable and convincing ourselves that we're just being pragmatic. It's easy for us to do that, you see, because let's face it, most of us won't be around to deal with the consequences of our failures. But our kids will. So many of the most powerful changes in the world today are happening because young people have not lost that innocence. They are accomplishing the things we couldn't, from gun violence to the environment, from human rights to nuclear proliferation. They are succeeding where we failed. And maybe the most important thing we could do as adults is not only get out of their way, but to actively provide them with the opportunity to make change. Right now, most of the chances we give kids to lead comes from tragedy. I mean, my introduction to activism came from Ryan White, who had to fight to go to school. And we all remember Malala and the kids after the Parkland shooting. And there's a group of incredible medically fragile kids called Little Lobbyists who go to Congress to fight for better health care for everyone. And Greta... Greta is watching the planet die and fighting with everything she has to try to save it. The most vile people on the planet call these kids crisis actors. They dismiss not only their work, but the tragedies they experience, which force them into activism. Come on, we cannot let that be the winning narrative. But we also need to make room for young people to lead the way when they have not experienced such horrible things. We need to listen to what they have to say in our towns, in our schools, and maybe even more importantly, in our own homes. Oh, I love Leonard Cohen. He was such a powerful, insightful songwriter who showed us so much about who we are. In Suzanne, he wrote, There are children in the morning. They are leaning out for love. They will lean that way forever. It's that lean, that tilting toward a future of love that makes young activists so very special. Let's give them something to lean to. Sorry Not Sorry is executive produced by Sim Sarna and Alyssa Milano. That's me. Our supervising producer is Allison Bresnik. It's edited by Josh Windish. Music by Josh Cook and Alicia Eagle. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and spread the word. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry.